great gifts, and this is our, is this our first one, or second yes. one we're, no, the first one we're actually going into, one of the greatest gifts, yep. different from the grace callings, a little bit, Anthony's going to go into that, anyway, so let's invite Pastor Anthony up, give a round of applause, we're pray in, because he needs so much prayer, oh, I almost Alright, Father God, we thank you so much for Anthony. Thank you that you have given him the gift of teaching, the ability to communicate your word and, and pierce through our misunderstandings to deposit truth into our hearts and our minds, Lord. So we receive with open hearts and open minds the word that you have put in Anthony. We bless him to be fruitful today. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you, Anthony. Thank you, Justin. No, thank you. Right. No, no, no. no. Hello, how's everybody doing today? All right. Okay. Tonight I am very excited because we are talking about grace gifts and which gift. We're going to focus on 1 Corinthians 14 tonight. That's a clue. Which gift are we starting with? This one. <laughs> yeah. And if that gives you any indication of the type of mood I'm in, there we go. No, we're going to talk about tongues tonight, okay? Now, as I was preparing this message, it occurred to me that I had to kind of choose my audience, you know what I mean? They teach you in high school writing, like pick who you're writing to and write to that person. So this message is really geared towards people who are skeptical about tongues, maybe they grew up in a church where that wasn't talked about or they were just against it, or you know, they've, they've heard all this confusing, weird, mostly negative stuff about it and they just don't see the point. So that's really who I'm talking to tonight. Hopefully we all benefit. This is a teaching you know, so it, it might seem a little kind of point A to point B to C to D, and, and there it is. But I want to start by saying, I know that's not everybody. There are people like me who are all about the gift of tongues in theory, you know, but they just don't have it, and they don't even know how to get it. So I want to just broach that right off the bat. This isn't a message about what it means to be baptized in the Holy Spirit exactly. I'm separating the gift of tongues from that. But if you look in the chapter or in chapter 2 of Acts, you see people who get filled with the Spirit and then speak in tongues. And that's God acting sovereignly, and all of a sudden, there they are speaking in tongues, okay? You see the same thing in Acts chapter 10, where Peter goes to a Gentile's house named Cornelius. He's just preaching, and, you know, maybe it was good, maybe it wasn't, but in the middle of his sermon, he gets interrupted by a whole bunch of speaking in tongues. The Holy Spirit just shows up and kind of blesses the whole room with that. He's like, well, dang, how about that? You know, looks like the Holy Spirit is here in fact. And then in Acts chapter 19, we see a different model. In Acts chapter 19, Paul's walking around and he meets some dudes that are described as disciples. And some people want to say, well, these weren't Christians. These were disciples of John because they were only familiar with John's baptism. I'm not sold on that. And I also don't think that's the point. Because the point is, they wanted to receive the Holy Spirit. Paul says, did you know that there was a Holy Spirit? And they're like, no, we didn't even know. And he's like, well, I'm, I want to baptize you, and I want you to receive the Holy Spirit. And they're like, yeah, sure, we're down. So these people did what? They asked for it. And then Paul prays for them, and they get the Holy Spirit, which is evidenced by speaking in tongues. So I think it's safe to say, how do you get the gift of speaking in tongues? Well, God can just flat give it to you of his own accord. Or, I think it's fair to say, you can ask for it. And the Bible preaches that you can get gifts by the laying on of hands. So if you want to ask for the gift of speaking in tongues tonight, we have a prayer team for that. And we have leaders for that. 
So if your heart is just like burning inside you and you're like, oh man, I'm kind of nervous, but I also kind of want that, then just ask. That's perfectly fine. And uh, I'll also give an example of how I got the gift of speaking in tongues. I was raised in a non-charismatic church. I was lonely. I gave my life back to the Lord in my mid-20s. The Lord plopped me down in the middle of a charismatic small group, you know? And by the time I figured out they were those weirdos, it was too late. I already liked them, and I knew they liked me. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they kind of introduced me to all, all the arguments for speaking in tongues and prophecy and that stuff. And I got convinced. So I began asking the pastor of their church to pray for me, and he did it several times. Uh, I felt good, but nothing happened, you know? And I was really praying specifically for tongues. Because I did not want to doubt that whatever had happened, had happened. Like, I was ready to look like an idiot. You know what I mean? I was just desperate to encounter God. And one day, I'm singing holy, holy, holy in their worship service, and I'm raising my hands, and I'm just focused on the Lord. Somebody goes to the pastor, all the way on the other side of the 200-person church, and says, I think I have a prophetic word, pastor. I think the Lord wants to baptize someone in the Holy Spirit and give them the gift of speaking in tongues. And Pastor Ed said, I know who it is. And so I'm singing, and they make their way down the aisle to me, and they just put their hands on me and pray. And all of a sudden, I didn't even know they were doing that, guys. My eyes were closed. I just start speaking. I'm singing weird, you know? Like, I was singing, holy, holy, holy. The words are not hard. Here we go. We're all learning together. Holy, holy, holy. Very good. And I'm not saying that anymore. And then all of a sudden, I just start bursting into tears. And I cried for like 30 or 40 minutes. It was amazing. And so that's how I've been able to speak in tongues ever since. It was wild, man. It was powerful, you know, and it just kind of happened. So that's real. If you want that, it's available. My friend Karen, her mom got baptized in the Holy Spirit, praying and vacuuming her living room. <laughs> it just kind of happens, you know, all of a sudden she's praying in tongues. Again, but before I talk about tongues from the point of view of a skeptic or, or addressing someone who, God love them, you know, maybe they're a Christian. I'm going to talk about John MacArthur a lot tonight. He does not like charismatic stuff. But you know what? He preaches Jesus. He believes that Jesus was the Son of God who died for people's sins. He takes the Bible very seriously. So I'm going to disagree with Pastor MacArthur tonight, but I'm not going to disrespect him. Okay? So that needs to be said. That is my point of view. It is one of respect, but just disagreement. But before I talk about that, I need to ask you guys what you see when I show you this. What is that? It's a gun. It's a, it's a rifle. What'd you say, Chris? Oh, you're so close, bro. It's a Marlin lever action. Yeah, the Winchester is the other good one. No, lots of people said gun. I heard rifle. But guys, this is a gift. Let me tell you about this. This is a gift given for a very special purpose under very special circumstances. When I was 14 years old, I lived in Columbus, Ohio. My whole life, I wanted to go hunting like all of my mom's big, robust, burly Michigan brothers, right? <laughs> and so when I was 14, my grandfather finally decided I was old enough to take me to his 80 acres up north, and we'd go up there to the cabin. I'm like, oh, I love my grandfather a lot. And the first night I'm there, I missed a kid. He takes me to the table and he says, he calls me Tony, he's like, Tony, I gave all of my sons a gun on their first hunt. This one is for you. And it was a, a Marlin lever action 30-30, just like this one, man, with the same scope. And it was, I still own it. It is precious to me. You know, and that was given to me 
to go out into the woods when it was way too cold to be in the woods and get my first deer, right? And hopefully every other fat, tasty deer after that. All right? That's the situation in which I got the gift. That's what I got the gift for. You guys following me? Yeah. Fast forward 20 years-ish, maybe 15, 15 years? Over a decade. I'm, uh, you know, kind of backsliding. I'm living with some crazy guys. And one of the guys I lived with, we'll call him Brandon. All right. Brandon had a drug problem, and he liked a lot of different drugs, and he liked to have a problem with a lot of different drugs at the same time. So he comes home, and he's drunk, he's popped up on cocaine, and he's been taking prescription painkillers. So the guy's not in his right mind. And we just wanted to sit there and smoke weed and watch House of a Thousand Corpses, you know, like normal people. And he comes in, he comes in the door and freaks out. And he tells the neighbor kid that was there to, you know, get the F out of his house and, like, freaks out, throws him out. He kicks the corner of the coffee table off, grabs the TV, rips it out of the wall, takes it outside, throws it outside, grabs the Xbox, throws the Xbox outside. While he's outside, he punches a few holes in the privacy fence. Yeah, and this is a big dude. He's, like, way over six feet tall, and he is messed up, okay? So my buddy goes to his room and locks the door. And I'm like, that might not be a bad idea. I don't know. I'm just going to go to the bathroom for a minute and think about what's going on right now. This is crazy. So I go to the bathroom, and I'm like, he's wrecking the house. He's way bigger than me. He is messed up. I'll find out later all the crap he was on. But I come out of the bathroom, and he has discovered my gift. And he's opened the front door of the apartment. And like an idiot, I hid the gift with the bullets that go in the gift. And so he's loading it, he cocks it, and he's pointing it at cars driving down the street. Oh. Now this guy's just punched holes in the privacy fence and wrecked the TV and kicked the corner off the cabinet and thrown a guy out. I'm like, this, he's going to kill somebody, right? Let's pause right there. Was shooting people the intention of the gift? No. No. Am I inside the context right now that the gift was supposed to be used in? No. The end of that story is I walked up to him and I was like, hey, Brandon. And I was like, bro, you don't want to do this, man. Just, you know, give me, give me my rifle back. You know, that's mine. My grandfather gave it to me. He shoves it in my chest and passes out on the chair that was right there until the next morning. And nothing happens. All that to say, that's a horrific situation, right? That is definitely one of the weirder things that's ever happened in my life. Maybe not the weirdest, but one of the weirdest. Did the gift change? Huh? Did the, did the attitude of the gift giver change? No. It was still a good gift given in a very special context for a very specific purpose. And the misuse, even the horrifying, potentially tragic misuse of the gift does not change the goodness of the gift. Does that make sense? Let's bear that in mind as we talk about tongues. Perhaps, maybe, it will relate. This could be a long one. Let's do it. I'm going to talk about some objections, some reasons that people say no thank you to the gift of tongues. People say no thanks, I believe it's over, that's not for today. They say no thanks, sure maybe it's around today, but it's second rate, that's a no good gift. You know, wasn't Paul really down on that gift? We just don't need that around, lots of people get by without it. And then we have people that say, I mean I guess so, but how does that help accomplish anything? Like I just don't understand how... Speaking gibberish does any good whatsoever, so you're going to have to sell me on it. Let's take all of these in turn, shall we? Yeah. We shall. Yeah. 
Number one, no thank you version one. It's over. I'm going to kind of walk through a basic argument of why good people, Christian people, argue that the gift of tongues and prophecy have ceased. They're called cessationists. The first thing that a lot of people do is they give them a special name. So they'll call them like a revelatory gift. In John MacArthur's book, Charismatic Chaos, which I picked up and kind of used as an outline for this message. Thanks, John. He says that the revelatory gifts, well, obviously they're meant to give divine revelation, right? So those must have stopped when divine revelation stopped, after the apostolic age. So by throwing a label on them that the Bible doesn't throw, then we're able to talk about tongues and prophecy differently than we talk about the other gifts. So that's step one, right? I don't think Paul necessarily does that. Nowhere in the Bible does he say these are revelatory gifts and these are really nice, helpful gifts. Eh. We're just not going to discuss that too much. But first, you give them a label. Second, you say, the Bible says that it's going to cease. Why would you argue that the Bible says it's going to cease? Well, let's look at the verse. 1 Corinthians 13, 8-10. Love never ends, but if there are prophecies, they will be set aside. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there is knowledge, it will be set aside. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part... But when what is perfect comes, the partial will be set aside. Now, we've done something here. We've already labeled it a revelatory gift, okay? We've made a special category for tongues. And then, obviously, revelation stopped after the apostles. So the perfect thing must be what? The perfect revelation of God's will, which would be... Anybody? The Bible. Guys. We have the perfect revelation of God in the Bible, so we don't need tongues anymore. This would hold water a little bit, maybe, if Paul didn't continue to talk about what the perfect coming looked like. And he does. In 1 Corinthians 13, 12. For now we see in a mirror indirectly, but then you will see face to face. Oh. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully, just as I have been fully known. This describes what the perfect is that's coming. And even Pastor MacArthur, who does not like the charismatic gift, says that the perfect thing Paul has in mind must be the eternal state. This cannot be the Bible. Even John MacArthur, who writes a whole book about how he doesn't think tongues are valid for today, says, guys, you can't really interpret this scripture any other way. This is talking about either dying and being present with the Lord, or the Lord bringing all of heaven down here to be present with us. It can't be anything else. He then does this interesting thing with the Greek that's not really necessary, and he says, well, but the Bible still says tongues is going to stop. And I think it did stop. And why does he say that? And why do so many other people, this is where it really comes down to, right? We believe it stopped. How do you think it stopped? Do you think the Bible says that? Well, not exactly, but it totally did. What is your case? History. Obviously. You look at church history and you just don't see a lot of tongues. And in Charismatic Chaos, this is his, his real point, man. He says, it just flat stopped. How do we know it was supposed to stop? Because the Bible says it will cease and it totally stopped. It's like, yeah, but the Bible says it's not going to cease until the perfect comes. It's like, well, apparently not because it stopped. <laughs> he uses an Augustine quote. We can't laugh this off. This is St. Augustine, okay? And Augustine said this about the gift of tongues. It was adapted to the apostolic age. 
These were signs adapted to the time. They were done for a betokening, and it passed away. And we know that because this is St. Augustine, everything he said is absolutely correct, right? <laughs> More on that in a moment. <laughs> Oddly, after saying this, Pastor MacArthur then gives four or five examples of tongues happening after the apostolic age, <laughs> which he dismisses immediately because basically, well, those people were weird. You know? He's like, yeah, I mean, they, they said they could speak in tongues, but man, they did this other crazy thing, too. Or, man, they said they could speak in tongues, but they also said this, and that's just, well, that other thing they said is wild. You know what I mean? And so he kind of says, yeah, there's reports of that, but we're just not going to pay attention to that because other stuff they said and did, I just, I think is out there, man. It's in left field. Are we going to let this hold water? <laughs> when St. Augustine, who we are supposed to believe, like, as a matter of fact, said that women were not made in the image of God? <laughs> it looks like we're all hit and miss, John. <laughs> you know? <laughs> is it possible that they had the gift of tongues? And they also did some other stuff that was crazy. Look, man, if they had the legit gift of tongues and they went off the rails, they are solidly within the biblical model. All right? The whole reason Paul had to write 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 was to get them back on the rails. All right? So I had to read the whole essay from Augustine, but it's very interesting, St. Augustine. I, I think I have some people here that might want to talk to you about this. Anyway. <laughs> Here's the bottom line on people who think that, think that tongues have stopped, okay? Somehow, no matter how you try to argue it, saying that they're no longer valid elevates history and experience over the biblical revelation. Many people who want to say that prophecy and tongues are gone and no longer for today do it for an interesting reason. I saw this in seminary a lot. They hold God's word in such high esteem. They take it so seriously as divinely revealed truth that they think prophecy in tongues, people who claim to be hearing from God right now, would threaten or diminish or water down the authority of the Holy Scriptures. And so in order to protect the validity and the authority of the Scriptures, they go beyond the Scripture to contradict the Scripture to protect the Scripture. <laughs> it's very interesting. But you see the motive, right? I mean, it's, it's very interesting. But in my humble opinion... I am Joe, I threw it up there. This is the same thing as saying my experience and the experience of other people in history trumps the Bible. I'm not okay with that. But let me also say that I would like to be a fly on the wall in heaven when Bill Johnson and John MacArthur are standing there together having a <laughs> talking about how awkward it was down here. <laughs> so, no disrespect, man. We're all getting there. All right. No thanks, version two. Maybe you don't think it ceased. Maybe you think it's still good, but you think, gosh, it's useless. Don't lots of people get through their lives without speaking in tongues? The answer to that is obviously yes, right? Doesn't Paul say a bunch of negative stuff about it? Well, let's see. Okay, let's look at some of the arguments where people say it's a second-rate, useless gift we don't need. Isn't it more trouble than it's worth? Here we go. Point one. Paul thought tongues hindered the church service. Ladies and gentlemen, this is solidly true. If we look in 1 Corinthians, we see this. Come on, quickly. If the trumpet makes an unclear sound, who will get ready for battle? It is the same for you, you crazy Corinthians. 
If you do not speak clearly with your tongue, how will anyone know what is being said? For you will be speaking into the air. If then I don't know the meaning of a language, I will be a foreigner to the speaker and the speaker a foreigner to me. That word in the Greek is barbarian. It's a derogatory term for people that were uncultured and spoke nonsense. He's like, if you go around speaking in tongues in the church service, you're going to sound like a bunch of barbarians to each other. Is this what you want? You might as well just be speaking into the air. He continues. If you are praising God with your spirit, how can someone without the gift say amen to your thanksgiving, since he doesn't know what you're saying? In the church, I want to speak five words with my mind to instruct others, rather than 10,000 words in a tongue. So did Paul think the tongues were obstructing the church service? Yeah. Yes, they were definitely hindering things, because people were speaking in nonsense languages when they should have been teaching. It definitely hinders my ability to teach if I speak in a language no one is understanding. Does that make sense? Yes. But, last time I checked, my whole life is not lived in a church service. Huh? The context of 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 is only that. It's only the gathering of everyone together in the church service. Paul says some interesting things about not being in a church service. He says in 1 Corinthians 14, 4-5, The one who speaks in a tongue builds himself up, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. I wish you all spoke in tongues, but even more that you would prophesy. Paul is making a case for prophecy being a superior gift here. But does it sound like he's saying, throw away this useless thing? Absolutely not. He's saying it builds you up, and not only that, but I wish you all did it. There are some people who interpret, no kidding, every positive thing that Paul says about tongues as sarcasm, and every negative thing he says as serious. I'm going to say probably not, you know? He did write Galatians. He kind of asked for it, but I, I just don't think so. You read 1 Corinthians 14. He says plainly, you build yourself up, and I wish you all did it. He continues. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. But, what are those three words? In the church. But in the church, I want to speak five words with my mind to instruct, rather than 10,000 words with a tongue. He's saying, don't hinder the church service when you're in the church service. But when you're not in the church service, build yourself up by praying in tongues. I wish you all did it. I do it more than all of you guys. But when I'm in the gathering of believers, I use my brain. That way you can understand what I'm saying, and I don't hinder things. Does that make sense? Yep. All right. So we kind of give him this one, but there's a little pushback. Point two. Paul thought tongues were promoting, and in quotes here, excessive individualism. I couldn't believe when I kept reading this. I got this commentary from the library, which is pretty well-known commentary. The Anchor Yale Bible. It's kind of a big deal. And this guy, Fitzmeyer, keeps mentioning this. In fact, he says this. Let me get the quote up here. Prophecy can benefit both believers and unbelievers, whereas speaking in tongues does not, being merely a way to emphasize individualism. And I got a second snark face to the message here. Like, brother, merely a way to emphasize individualism? Like, all of these gifts are expressions of God's grace. Anything that acts like one of the gifts is like a bad gift is really insulting to the gift giver. These are gifts of the Holy Spirit, okay? It's not like, 
you know, nine out of ten gifts have Cadbury eggs and one's got a grenade. You know what I mean? What would that say about God? That's no good. So no, this cannot merely be a way to emphasize individualism. There must be some good there. And in fact, there is. It appears that in the Corinthian church, both prophecy and tongues were being used wrong. Remember the gift of the Marlin 3030. My grandfather gave me that gift with a specific intent in mind. It was given with a specific spirit to be used in a specific way with a specific motive. Does that make sense? Paul is yelling at the Corinthians because they're taking the gift given and they're using it the wrong way. It's like they're leaning out the door with it, aiming at cars. Like, what are you doing? They're taking these things that are obviously spiritual and they're saying, look at me, I can prophesy. Did you, did you hear that Joe is speaking in tongues now? Wow, he spoke in tongues for like six hours last time we got together. Nobody could make him be quiet. He's so spiritual. Like, oh no, the whole Miller clan is prophesying nonstop now. And so they're creating like super mega ultra spiritual statuses with these gifts. That's disgusting. So this criticism does actually hold weight. They are using these gifts that are made to benefit the whole body, and they're using them as status symbols, it would appear. And Paul is rebuking that. Paul said that prophecy was superior to tongues. Yes, because by its very nature, prophecy benefits the whole church. But instead of saying, and that tongues thing is just garbage, that's the grenade in the box, throw that out, he says this. I wish you all spoke in tongues, but even more that you would prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues. What's the next word? Unless. Unless he interprets so that the church may be strengthened. So then the one who speaks in a tongue, next word, should pray that he may interpret. 1 Corinthians 14, 5 and 13. How's that for a solution? Like, instead of just benefiting yourself, which is fine, if you want to benefit the whole church with this gift, it's easy. Ask God for the complimentary gift of interpretation. Amazing. So the, the solution isn't get rid of it. The solution is ask for more. That's interesting. All right, so we'll give them that one too, but there's substantial pushback. Here's the third one. Paul thought tongues were fostering disorder. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much, that's exactly what he thought, yes. And you read 1 Corinthians 14 again, he's heavy on this. The church was a mess, man. It must have been like a circus. Check out what he says about this. If the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues, I mean, this is like a hypothetical that's not, right? This is so obviously what he's heard has been going on. If the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues, and unbelievers or uninformed people enter, will they not say that you have lost your minds? <laughs> The first time I got invited to a charismatic church, I had much the same experience. It was a night service, so you don't normally get visitors. And one of my buddies invited me to go to the church that he grew up in, which was this super small downtown charismatic church in Columbus, Ohio. Man, they were going nuts. I have no doubt that they were going nuts because it's usually just like the same 20 people, you know? But this guy had not been in an environment like that. I'm like, I hope I'm not in a room full of crazies, right? Literally crazy people. So, people criticize tongues, and they say, well, that's just weird. Yes! That's <laughs> why so you're supposed to do it at your house, you know? It's like, well, it's just going to make you look like a fool. Yes! Well, why did God make it that way? I don't know, okay? But 
Yeah, it was fostering some disorder in the church. Because people were using it the wrong way, don't lose that. Because people were using it for the wrong motive, and the gift was not being used the way the gift was supposed to be used, that was creating disorder. So Paul's solution naturally is just forget it, forget the gift, nobody's speaking tongues, right? No, Paul's solution is to check it out. This is so simple, it literally hurts. 1 Corinthians 14, 39 to 40. Don't forbid anyone from speaking in tongues. Just do everything in a decent and orderly manner. It's crazy. So literally, Paul looks at this whole list. Yes, you guys are using tongues in a way that hinders the church service. You guys are using tongues in a way, in prophecy too, that's fostering individualism and pride. And not only that, things are so disordered that if people come in, I'm concerned they're going to think you're nuts. So does Paul say, so just ditch the tongues thing, man. It's, it's too much trouble. No. Paul looks at all this stuff and he says... Here's an idea. It's like the gun. Use it the right way. As far as all, all this other stuff, just stop it. <laughs> just stop it. Well, I just really, really feel like tongues, you know, uniquely fosters disorder. And like, oh, it always happens. Like, oh, no, no. Let's not go there. Listen. Hey, you're using it wrong. Just stop it. Stop it. How about doing it right? There's a good idea. Just do it in an orderly fashion. Use the gift the way the gift was meant to be used, and the problems will go away. Does that make a frightening amount of sense? Yes. yes. Okay. Let's talk about the third person. This is the person, and hopefully maybe we're all here. There. You know, if you weren't absolutely for tongues at the beginning, hopefully you think, yeah, I at least think that could be for today now. But why in the world do we need tongues? The guy... I talk about the little Baptist in my heart, Daryl. You know, Pastor Gabbard of Southern, uh, what was it? Uh, Dublin Baptist Church. Man, oh man, the guy that walked me back to the Lord when I was so angry and nasty. Man, that guy thought tongues were done. He, he was a cessationist. You know, I remember having the talk in his office where he explained their doctrinal stance. And he was totally amicable to me. I mean, he shook my hand when he left. He wished me well. I got in touch with him via email about a year and a half ago to tell him I was a, tell him I was a pastor. He's retired now. The guy was so blessed. That man is full of the spirit, man. So yeah, you can make it through your life without the gift of tongues. No, we cannot use speaking in tongues as a benchmark for who's saved and who's not. That's icky, okay? That's just icky. The Bible doesn't do that. But it is cool. It is a gift of the spirit. It is an expression of God's grace. It is a good gift. So here are some good things that tongues does. Are we all still good? Yeah. Yes. Excellent. Number one, it is given for the benefit of all to strengthen the church. Here's a longer quote out of 1 Corinthians 12. But that's the point. Just like all the other gifts, it is given for the benefit of who? The church. The church. Everybody. But I thought Paul said it just builds up you. Isn't that snarky? Isn't he just being mean? Isn't he down on, on tongues? Well, I don't know. Let's think about it. The Bible says the body is one and yet has many members. Okay? All the members of the body, though many, are one body. So too is Christ. Now you, plural, all y'all, are Christ's body. And each of you, individual, is a member of it. Would that be this guy? Okay, so I'm a part of the body, yes? And the body is the church, yes? So I'm a part of it. So I'm a part of the church. And so is Justin, even though he's just one dude. Okay, good. So Paul says the one who speaks in tongues builds himself up. And I'm part of the church, right? 
So if I have the gift of tongues, let's say, and I'm diligently using it because it edifies me, it builds me up, it makes me stronger, and there have been times in my life where I had to do it. Nothing else was going to give me the peace I needed. Nothing else was going to give me the connection to God I needed. I would set the timer on my phone. I would go off by myself, and I would just pray in tongues. It felt weird. Then it stopped feeling weird. Then I started to feel edified. And by the time it was done, 10, 15 minutes, oh my gosh, did I feel amazing. I used the gift correctly. It built this guy up. Everyone I encountered benefited because I built up my little corner of the church. Does that make sense? When I go to work out, I will often work out one or two muscles, right? Like, are all the other muscles bitter? You know, that doesn't make any damn sense. You know, like, like, it's your day tomorrow, man. Like, just be grateful that I need to work on the calves. But them too, they need some love, you know? But building up a part of the whole is still building up a part of the whole. It has value. Tongues, even without the gift of interpretation, builds up one person in the church. You. And so it's worthwhile. Two. Check this out. If I pray in a tongue, this is 1 Corinthians 14, 14 to 17. If I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unproductive. And Paul says this, I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my mind. I will sing praises with my spirit, but I will also sing praises with my mind. Otherwise, if you're praising God with your spirit, how can someone without the gift say amen to your thanksgiving, since he does not know what you are saying? For you are certainly giving thanks well, but the other person is not strengthened. That's kind of a mouthful, but I think his main point is this. Guys, at some point, it's not the church service. He's singing in tongues. He's praying in tongues, which he shortens here to just in the spirit, which is also interesting. And he gives that the stamp of approval. And he says, I'm praising God and I'm giving thanks well. That's good. So, right, we can discern from this that tongues are an effective way for at least one member of the church, you, to praise and give thanks to God. So tongues can be used as a form of worship. So it builds me up at the same time that it worships God. If it stopped there, that's pretty darn good, is it not? It might sound weird. It might be weird. Maybe the whole church would think I sounded funny, but I'm doing something beneficial. It's not something to be cast aside. But it doesn't stop there. In 1 Corinthians 14, 1 to 2, and verse 5, this is what Paul says Pursue love and be eager for the spiritual gifts, all of them, especially that you may prophesy, for the one speaking in tongues does not speak to people, but to God. Interesting. They're speaking in tongues, they're speaking to God. For no one understands. He is speaking mysteries by the Spirit. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless he interprets. We already read this once. So that the church may be strengthened. Interprets what? Interprets the mysteries he's speaking by the Spirit. You see what Paul is saying there? He's like, your spirit is praying to God, and you don't even know what you're saying. But you should totally pray that you can interpret because that cool stuff that you're saying that you don't understand are actually the mysteries of God. He's giving you cool stuff to say that you can have access to. And when you actually get access to them, it benefits the whole church just like prophecy does. So he's saying not that tongues are bad because they only benefit you. He's saying, hey, tongues are great. They benefit you. Use them correctly. And pray that you can interpret 
so that everybody can benefit from what the Lord is telling you. Don't hog it. Share. Does that make sense? Yeah. All right. Not only can you ask to interpret, but you should. Paul gives the command. Let the one who speaks in tongues pray that they can interpret. I don't want to skip past this without mentioning, this is Paul giving us permission to ask for spiritual gifts we don't have. Yes. A lot of times people ask, like, well, what if I have this gift set? Can I ask for another one? Apparently so. Hmm. In fact, not only should you eagerly desire them, but if you have tongues, Paul is like, you should be asking the Lord that you can interpret. Not can you, you should, which is also cool. This is my conclusion slides. I know it's weak. It's a weak conclusion. That's fine. We're going to recap. Tongues are for today. Any, any person that says tongues are not because they stop almost inevitably has to rely on human experience and history to say why the Bible is wrong. That's ground that I'm just not willing to stand on. Okay? I'm super grateful that when there were no prophets in Israel for 500 years, when John the Baptist showed up, they didn't tell him, ah, I'm sorry, buddy, we think that that ceased. Like, well, how do you know? Well, history, man, it's been 500 years. He's like, but God is, is, uh, is kind of speaking to me right now. I'm like, I don't know. We don't believe that's for today, John. <laughs> I think that God has the right to let whatever gifts he wants pop up, right? As frequently or infrequently as he wants. Tongues is for today. Tongues is not useless. Tongues is useful. We just need to make sure that we use the gift in the way that the gift was intended to be used. And lastly... Tongues, even without interpretation, builds you up in a real and practical way. I know this is true. I have experienced it. All right? It is a way of praising God and giving thanks well. Who doesn't want to do that? And you can receive the gift of interpretation to encourage the whole church. Does that sound like something you want? Does that sound like something that we should want to go away or shove under the rug? I don't think so either. Thank you guys very much. Here's Justin. All right. That was good. Super <laughs> practical. I love, I love the gift of tongues. And I remember the first time that I learned how to do this, I actually was in a prayer meeting with the Gerbers who used to own this space. And um, it was just a meeting, and they said, all right, we're all going to stand in a circle and hold hands, and we're going to pray in tongues. And I was like, this is weird, but okay, I'll do it. <laughs> and uh, he... Seth said, if you don't know how to pray in tongues, just open your mouth and say whatever comes to mind. Just, just say gibberish. It doesn't have to be the spirit. <laughs> I was like, okay. So I did. And it felt weird. Um, but that's how I learned. And I actually went home and I practiced doing that in my own time. And that has become a spirit-filled language <laughs> communication for God. So there's all kinds of approaches. If you have more questions, talk to me. Talk to Anthony. Talk to somebody who knows. Talk to Jesus. Talk to our prayer team. What do we have available after the service? Um, Alright, let's pray and then I'll dismiss you guys. <laughs> right, Father God, thank you so much that you have given us tools to build ourselves up, to understand who you are, and to be united with each other in life-giving relationships. I pray that you would continue to give us wisdom uh, as we pursue these gifts, as we pursue opportunities to build up, up the church. And I pray above all that you would teach us how to have a motive of love uh, for each other and for you as we're, as we're uh, chasing after. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, guys, there's going to be sandwiches in the back in a few minutes. There's prayer ministry up in the front, and you are dismissed to go do and be Christ in your communities. Thank you all. <laughs>